still February, but it feels like spring is knocking on our door. And with it comes the return of birds that migrate through Minnesota every year, many of them following the Mississippi River. Some of these species are returning in smaller numbers because of threats they're facing here or somewhere else along their path. And this is a global trend. The United Nations recently came out with its first report on the state of the world's migratory species. And the findings were grim. Half of migratory species around the world are in decline, and a fifth are at risk of extinction. Joining us right now to talk about the state of migratory species that move through Minnesota is Olivia is Olivia Ladie. She's the regional administrator of the Midwest Climate Adaptation Center, which is based at the University of Minnesota. Olivia, welcome. Hi, thank you. Really happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you could take the time. Thank you so much. You know, just today, I was thinking to myself, I, I thought I saw a bird that I only see in spring, and I thought, no, it can't possibly be here. It's just too early. Have you heard of birds starting to fly back a little normal than earlier because of this weird winter? Well, um, as we see earlier springs, yes, we do see some birds that are cute. Typically, the ones that are shorter distance migrants um, are more likely to respond to warmer conditions. Um, sooner, um, taking advantage of that weather. Um, the challenge is if they get here and then we get a cold snap, which would be normal, um, and if they've started nesting earlier, then we, they would run into problems. Yes, absolutely. Um, have you noted or seen any bugs showing up earlier, trees budding, that kind of thing? Would that have an impact on bird migration? So um, for some species, they are really tied. So for some birds, they're really tied to particular insect availability, particular food resources. Um, And one of the concerns that we're um, looking at in terms of climate change is the disconnect or asynchrony between those two things. So sometimes they are able to track those food resources, the insect hatches, and sometimes they're not. They're not able to read earlier in response to the insects being available earlier. I did not know that you started your career in climate science with a migratory bird that has been seen in Duluth, a piping plover. (laughs) Tell me about the bird. Uh, Yeah, that's right. So not unlike um, some of these birds, I came here to Minnesota from South Louisiana because of the opportunity to work um, in the Cuthbert Lab um, at University of Minnesota where they work on the Great Lakes piping plover. Um, It's a small migratory endangered shorebird. Um, it's the population is now largely confined to the shores of Lake Michigan, but uh, there's frequent spotting of um, individuals or pairs in Duluth where folks get really excited. Um, but I, you know, a lot of times we when we think about animals, we think about where they are now and where they are in our backyard. But I was interested, again, as a Louisiana resident, a really natural interest in the non-breeding season, so where they spend most of their time, which is not with us in the Great Lakes. Um, and so really looking at the Gulf of Mexico um, coast is where I ended up spending quite a bit of my time for um, my graduate work. So what threats are these little birds facing? So they habitat loss um, and disturbance on on the non-breeding grounds. So if you think about sharing the beach with thousands of tourists are major challenges to them. And those wintering and stopover sites really are what might influencing their survival, not necessarily whether or not their nests do really well on their breeding grounds. 
And so some of these places are really important for these birds and they have what we call site fidelity, where they go back to the same locations every year. Um, and some of these are barrier islands where they are really vulnerable to hurricanes and sea level rise. So mm. one example is the, the Chandelier Islands, which are part of Breton National Wildlife Refuge. Um, it's one of the oldest um, refuges, national wildlife refuges in the U.S. And you have hundreds of thousands of um, migratory birds, including piping plovers, that will use those islands. Um, but they've lost nearly 90% of their landmass um, over the past 200 years because of intense weather events or hurricanes, which affect them, and then they, they need time to rebuild. Um, so really concerned about, especially those barrier islands and those um, threats to the non-breeding areas. I'm wondering about other migratory songbirds, perhaps. Can we talk about that? Um, are there other species that are facing threats? Sure. So if we think about uh, grasslands in the Midwest, which are really, really important, and we think about emblematic grassland birds like western meadowlarks, for example, uh, they've declined dramatically over the past 50, 60 years. And our landscape's changing, right? Um, these animals are having to share more land, land with more people. So agriculture, energy development, urbanization have really reduced the amount of grassland habitat. And we also talk about fragmentation, which is breaking up what we do have left into smaller chunks, which makes it also more challenging for them to be successful. And climate change acts in concert with these changes in, lands, in, in land use. So for, for the Midwest and grassland birds, Eastern meadowlarks or monarch butterflies, um, those, those changes in grassland use are really important. I'm wondering, you know, um, are there, can there be efforts to save and to, or to help some of these migratory species adapt to, to the changes they're running into, or is it just simply too late? No, certainly. That is one of the things that we focus on at the Midwest Climate Adaptation Science Center is it's what's the science to support responding to um, challenges, especially in response to climate change. So sometimes we can't do anything directly to mediate increased temperatures or changes in precipitation, but we know that we can manage the land to offset some of those changes. So for grassland birds, what we call maintaining connectivity. So having essentially highways for birds to move between patches of land, help them to move and find um, better opportunities in, in newer habitats. We also know that the size of those patches, those, those pieces of land are really important and that larger grassland patches help offset some of those negative effects of temperature and precipitation. We also know that programs like the Conservation Reserve Program, uh, it provides a way to provide high quality habitat. So for example, for monarchs, we can put milkweed in those or increase the amount of milkweed in the land between those habitat patches in the matrix, which, with, which folks can do in their own backyards. Good, good uh, information there. Say before you go, as people are uh, going to notice birds that are arriving here in the next, um, well, who knows, next weeks, few weeks anyway, um, are there migratory species you'll be watching for that we could see more of in Minnesota because of climate change? We are seeing, yes, eventual expansions of some range of species as well as earlier ones. I don't know that I have. I always like watching the juncos, which are out and active. 
Um, we also hear, hear of things staying much longer, um, even Canada geese. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking out for everything, and yes, pretty soon here. All right, Olivia, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Olivia Liddy is the Regional Administrator of the Midwest Climate Adaptation Center based at the University of Minnesota.